This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My name is Bo York. And my name is Matthew Bell. We have been podcasting about The Flash with only one goal. To save the entire internet. But to do so, we can't do this with just one podcast. To do this, we must focus on someone else. We must create something else. This is the Arrow TV Talk Podcast. Welcome to Flash TV Talk. Wait, what? Arrow TV Talk? Why Why did Arrow TV Talk? Uh, you know what? Never mind. I'm Bo and Bell is Bell. Bell, say hi, Bell. Hi, Bell. And uh, with us, ladies and gentlemen, we've got uh, a big episode to talk about. I apologize for the Arrow TV Talk uh, theme playing. I don't know why that played, but we have some special guests with us. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Legends TV Talk, Will Benson. Greetings and salutations. Man, welcome to Flash TV Talk, Will. I love it here at Arrow TV Talk. No, no, no. Flash TV Talk, man. It's, it's Flash TV Talk. I don't, we, we haven't been Arrow TV Talk in years. I don't know what to talk about, but I do know what I'm about to talk about. And of course, I'm talking about the other guest that we have uh, sitting to my left north up in Tupelo. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of Starkville House of L, uh, Mr. Derek Russell. Arrow TV Talk. What's up? Yeah. No, man. What? No. <laughs> Bell, Bell. No, it's- Correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't done Arrow TV talk in like three years, right? Didn't we just have an email about this? It's been it's been a long time, and there's been no Arrow TV talk no. for that time. No, yeah, that's not a that's not a thing we do. That's not a thing we do. But but you know what? I'm pretty sure I slept with one of you from Arrow TV talk last night. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I woke up in bed this morning. It was Arrow TV talk. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, Bell. Um, <clears throat> it seems like somebody has been messing with the universe. Perhaps. I blame Bovatar, but you know what? We'll 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 press on. We'll press on because of course these gentlemen are with us here today to talk about an awesome, amazing uh crossover event. Perhaps one of the largest crossover events, maybe potentially, I would argue, uh it's up there. I don't know if it's the best. It might be the second best, but I think it's I think it it's teeing up for what I think will probably be the best ultimate crossover. And of course, I'm talking about Elseworlds. Uh, guys, we are really uh, excited to have you on. Are y'all all ready to jump into the rundown? Rundown? Sure. Seems weird. Let's jump into... <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into the rundown. Ready? Aim. Review. I take umbrage with this being the best TV crossover ever. Really? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, all right. This uh you're you're kind of showing your cards a little early, but um but but I tell you what, typically the way that we do things here on uh Arrow T I mean I'm sorry, Flash TV Talk is that you know, I asked Bell to talk about the episodes. Of course, we talk about who directed it, which in this case was uh Kevin uh oh, Tacrion. Bell, how do you pronounce that last name? Good good luck, man. I think that's uh Tancheron. Directed by Kevin T. And story by Eric <laughs> Wallace and Sam uh, Shalinson. Shalison? Shalison. Let's go with Shalison. Look, 
We've got a, uh, a great creative team. Of course, that's the group that works specifically on this particular episode of uh, the, the Flash, which was weird with the way that everything kind of, um, uh, I guess, fell into place, so to speak. But uh, this serves as episode nine of season five, uh, Elseworlds. But today, instead of just covering the part one that was the Flash, we are covering part one, two, and three. So given that so much happened, we don't have time to actually go through an episodic description. And in fact, this we've got so much show that we're just going to jump into this, guys. I mean, there's a lot of talking points to go through throughout this entire episode. And I kind of want to start it off with... I think the thing that we knew going in, right, the thing that was attached to every single DC TV show that was going to be uh, connected to this crossover, and that's the scene from Earth-90. Now, Earth-90 as a concept is, I think this is the first time that we've ever heard it called Earth-90, but it has been, correct me if I'm wrong, confirmed that that is the Earth of the original 90s Flash, yes? It appears to be so, yeah. And wouldn't it be Flash or Earth-91? Because didn't, didn't the original Flash show come out in 91? Am I mistaken? I do. I think it was ninety. Okay. Well, yeah, it check. was ninety. It was, it was ninety. Okay, so then it works. We all refer to uh, John Wesley Ship as the '90s Flash, so I, I kind of just saw it from that context. But, but you know, the amazing thing is in that sequence, we didn't just see heroes of Earth '90 or of that that world's, uh, I guess, Flash series. We actually saw some heroes from other series as well. Not to mention, we got some nods to some heroes we didn't see. But let's let's talk about what we did. Derek, you, of course, were the uh, co-host or, or the, the creator of Starkville House of L, which was a very prominent, if not the prominent, uh, uh, Smallville podcast of, of the day. Uh, did you happen to notice some characters strewn about the place in that, that opening number? I did. One specific one that, that was a nod. Obviously, the, the opening moments of Elseworlds 1 or The Flash, what, 9? Is, is that what? The ninth episode of The Flash? Uh, yeah, it's ninth, ninth, ninth episode. episode. That's right, yeah. Uh, was a very shortened version of what we had seen as the tags on the last three episodes of Arrow and Flash and Supergirl. Um, they kind of condensed it a little bit. But yeah, uh, there was somebody who looked surprisingly like Justin Hartley's uh, Oliver Queen slash Green Arrow from Smallville uh, because that was the Green Arrow outfit from Smallville uh, shown uh, amongst the debris so i guess he's dead yeah i guess he's dead now <laughs> well that whole earth is dead right except for john wesley's ships well flash. but the question then is is i mean i don't i the way i interpreted that and i could be totally wrong is that we had heroes of multiple earths that had kind of come to john wesley's ships earth or rather the flat the 90s flash earth and they were all combating the monitor um, in an effort to, I guess, prove their worth. We, we don't really fully understand yet what the relationship is there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I got the sense that he was testing them, but but that those were all heroes from multiple Earths. But did y'all did y'all kind of see that as they were actually all from his Earth? Yes. What, Will, what were, you, what were your thoughts on that? <laughs> um, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I kind of was hoping not because I'm, I, I've got hopes for the end, which I'll save, but... You know, I was kind of hoping that it's not because I'd like to see something different. But I, I thought he mentioned something, too, like he brought some other people from around the multiverse to fight. I thought in episode mm. two, but I'm mm. not sure. Um, You know, I, I, to tell you the truth, it, I was so busy looking at like Stargirl and like Green Arrow from Smallville that I was just kind of like in the moment. I'm like, it was a geek gasmic moment, you know, just like, here you go. Run. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, there was a lot of that throughout this entire crossover, to be sure, in terms of just, like, you know, a lot of fan service, a lot of Easter eggs, that sort of thing. 
But I'll tell you, what, what stood out to me the first time was Hartley's, Justin Hartley's um, Green Arrow outfit. But on second viewing, I also noticed that the star girl of, of, of the Smallville uh, Earth was dead on the ground as well. Did you happen to catch yeah. that, Derek? Yeah, and her, her costume looks a lot like, I mean, it's very much brought in from the comics versus what some of these other iterations they've done before. So that, whether or not that was actually the, I, the Smallville suit or not, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, she, she stands out as well to me. Didn't Legends use her too? Use something? It was a similar costume. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I know yeah. that Legends brought her in, and I, I couldn't tell if it was the Legends suit because I, I don't have any reference from the Smallville suit. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'd be curious if they used the the Legends one. Well, it is, like Derek said, I mean, it's a costume that, that's ripped directly from the pages of the comics. So uh, it's it's a, and it's an easy one to replicate as opposed to some of the others. So I, that, that, I guess there is kind of a question from where, where she may have come from. The Hawk uh, uh, helmet... I believe was the Legends Hawk helmet as opposed to the uh, more, um, can I say goofy Hawk helmet of Smallville? I, I don't want to be disrespectful to uh, Angry Birds over there, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Well, when, wow. Hawk, when Hawkman wore his helmet, it was not exactly the most, like you wouldn't see that and be like, oh, that's, 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 you know, that's badass. That's cool. You'd kind of be like, oh, all right. You go into, you go into Comic-Con, buddy. You know what I mean? Like it's. Didn't didn't quite have the. That's um, funny. I feel the same way when I see Cicada. Uh, no, that, that that's <laughs> interesting. Fire. Interesting, interesting. Well, we could talk about Cicada later, perhaps. But right now, we're talking about Earth ninety. Uh, the other thing I think that we need to make mention of with Earth ninety is not only did we see potentially heroes of of multi uh, uh, Earths, we also got a nod to a hero that, um, and, and a great fan theory that many people have had since the earliest days of Arrow, and that was the idea that Diggle perhaps was not John Diggle, uh, but in fact John Stewart, and that he yes. might end up becoming a Green Lantern on Green Arrow. Of course, that never happened, but now we now learn that either on John Wesley Ship's Earth or one of the heroes brought to his Earth is a version of John Diggle, who is in fact John Stewart, who is in fact a Green, La Green uh, Lantern. It was. It, you guys know I'm the Green Lantern guy. That, to me, I was just like, Okay, thank you. I can stop now. I don't care who wins. It was. Just, it really was. I was just like, ah, uh, he exists. Uh, I can go to. It's a now. weird thing to show up and ask somebody that. Where's your ring? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a little wish ring. It, it's an. Ex yeah. It's a. It's a brief exchange of information to kind of set the parameters for where these characters are coming from. And I mean, like, actually, that scene was really brilliantly acted. I mean, John Wesley Ship, of course. What what. You, you, what, what can you not say about this man? He's he's incredible talent. He's been uh, you know in, in the game for for quite some time, and stepping back into that old role, uh, I mean, it it fits like a glove. Um, uh, can I can I make one mention on that? Yeah, that absolutely. Didn't fit like a glove. Did anyone notice that I think he was wearing caps that didn't fit? Because boy, some of his lines and his teeth were like I was like, Ooh, oh wow! Like rewatch that scene. His teeth are so white. And they're so in front <laughs> that I'm just like, and it really impacted his speech. Now I took I, theater class, so it, it hit me, and I'm just like, oh, they misfit his prosthetic. Wow, wow. He's, he's just he's just <laughs> talking around his dentures. I mean, he's getting up there. <laughs> Come on, man. I love Chip, but he's up there. He's just talking around the dentures. <laughs> he, he is up. I'll tell you this, man. He is up there, but you know he could mop the floor with any of us. Like, amen. <laughs> oh, I I I would be terrified to put on that suit so so more power honestly that suit the three my fate three favorite things in this whole crossover are lois lane 
the Flash '90 suit and the Batwoman Batwoman suit. Oh. Those were the three best things. Yeah, offered. I wish they found the original Flash suit, you know, just sweat soaked, disgusting, and all, and <laughs> made John Wesley Ship wear it again. Here you go. <laughs> no, man, not for all the money. But I will say, you know, so with with the nod to, um, you know, John Diggle as as the Green Lantern or a Green Lantern of the multiverse. Uh, what do you think, guys? Do you think uh, will they will will actually ever see Diggle as a Green Lantern or that version of Green Lantern appear, perhaps in uh, around this time next year? Spoiler! I was gonna say spoiler alert. Yeah, I think you dropped that carrot. They, they, they. This whole, the whole crossover. I don't think there was one accident. I really don't. Any Easter egg and things like that. I think they're they're setting up. Oh, and I, yeah, I absolutely. That. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in Arrow. How many times have they mentioned Ferris Aircraft mm. and and Coast City? You know, I just one of these days. I think when unless they're gonna cut Arrow next year after Crisis. I can I could see you know him finding the magic ring and being like eh, well this is only a thing. <laughs> Derek, you seem to have some thoughts on that. Oh, I just will said death and seemed like an accident. I feel like there were some accidents. Oh. But that's a totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, this is good though. I mean, like you know, if you think back to the original crossover or the not necessarily the original, just uh, you know, Arrow Flash crossover, but the big. Uh, you know, fight against the aliens and everything else. I, I was very, I walked away from that crossover very negative. Like, I, I just, I thought this didn't seem very planned out. Everything seemed very jacked up. It, nothing really flowed very well. And since then, overall, they've really learned from that. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know, I, I would argue that this one is a close second in terms of crossovers to what they've done before with the first one being last year's on EarthX. Um, that there was something about how tight that story was that worked really, really well. And this one, by its very nature, we're dealing with the rewriting of reality. It's not going to be as tight of a story. We are going to see some things that don't necessarily make sense because the universe as we know it is being rewritten. And of course, it's being rewritten by none other than uh, uh, John Deegan, a.k.a. Dr. Destiny. Now, I'm, I'm kind of curious about what was your pre-knowledge or did you have any pre-knowledge of Dr. Destiny from the comics? I had zero pre-knowledge of Dr. Destiny, and after the fact, when his face got all messed up, I was like, man, what'd they do to that guy's face? <laughs> <laughs> he got cut up. Well, yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Well, what about you, man? What, uh, any any kind of pre-knowledge of this character in the comics? Uh, tons, tons. I mean, I'm a Grant Morrison JLA fan, and he was the impetus for, if I'm not mistaken, he was the impetus for that. Like, he did the whole dream thing and rewrote the reality for a while. Um, I love the character. I I loved pretty much all of that stuff and how they were kind of screwing around with it. And, I mean, to go with what you were saying, too, about the tightness of this, they did learn from that Alien episode. They did the 100th episode of Flash the week before the crossover. That's right. Exactly. Yes. That killed it. That first year, we were all hyped up. And I remember we all did podcasts every night, practically. And it, then the Arrow podcast happened, and we were all like, wow. That's that. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they learned their lesson, and I'll give them credit for that. But, yeah, I, I love Dr. Destiny. I think he's one of the greatest, you know, jail. he's a good JLA villain. He's not a good, like, single villain. Mm. He, you need many people to fight him. So, yeah, I'm all, I, I was all in. This was all fan service, so – now, you know, the, when talking about kind of the the oddity of this universe, you know, Dr. Destiny is, is given the power to rewrite things. And it, it is kind of questionable, right? Like, 
it seems at first the only thing he's really done is put Barry and Oliver in each other's lives. Now, Derek, I know I know that that decision in particular was not one that really rested well with you. Uh, uh, well, I, I I questioned why I questioned a lot of things. I wondered why. Yeah, that happened. Although we heard Deegan in the second hour wonder why he wasn't the Flash, but. Obviously, I think if you have a book that can do anything, and maybe you didn't read the instruction manual for the instruction manual, there's there were some choices. In the Bible? No, yeah, sorry. <laughs> there there were some choices that I I just why Barry and Oliver are the only ones who are aware of what is happening seemed odd to me, uh, and also if you're if you're wanting to teach lessons to people, I I think switching the identities of two heroes isn't really that helpful but that's just me well okay so it is it is kind of interesting right like it is one of those kind of it's it's a major plot point throughout the entire uh crossover but it is one that if you even like barely scratch the surface it really doesn't make much sense but again we're dealing with you know the the cw hero verse we're dealing with the Arrowverse. there's been a lot of uh decisions that you can just kind of like kind of shrug it off and be like well you know what it, it provides for this story it, it may have been kind of a uh, I don't know if it's a weak excuse. I mean, the power behind what actually made that the reality makes a ton of, I mean, it's not weak at all, but the uh, reasoning I, is, I mean, I'll, I'll grant you that, man. It, it's a little weak, but it's still a fun concept. Yes. I'm I'm the king of suspension of disbelief. So, but uh, honestly, some of the other choices made over the course of the other 126 minutes of this crossover made that very small potatoes <laughs> fair enough so i let that one go bell what was it like for you seeing uh, uh when, when you see when you see oliver queen waking up in our girl's bed like he's barry allen man were you ready to take him out back what, what, what was your feelings about uh, oliver queen as, as barry allen and him macking on uh, on iris i thought he was very respectful uh, I mean, he he didn't necessarily steal a kiss from her. She kissed him. Thank God. And, Thank God. This is season eight, nine, whatever season arrow this is, as opposed to season one arrow. Could you imagine season one Oliver Queen waking oh, up? Oh, it would be bad. Woo! It would be bad. Yeah, this is a different. This is a different uh, Oliver. So we're not going to have any of that nonsense going Man, on. Season yeah, one no, Ollie would be like, "This is a freebie right here." Like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how they kind of talk about that in a later episode. Slept <laughs> <That was> <laughs> yeah. with his girlfriend's sister. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, woke up with your wife this morning, buddy. Oh, hey, oh, yeah. You know, and, and so I don't know. It didn't feel uh, I, I felt like he handled it as best he could, given the circumstances of his situation. So, you know, it wasn't too terrible. Um, I'm, I'm guessing Iris Iris's cooking was better. It yeah, seems. that's how you know the the world is broken is because Iris uh, made perfect pancakes. That's that's yeah. that's the big uh, big uh, giveaway. That, that's there. what tipped him off to begin with. Not the fact that he woke up in her bed. It was it the fact that her cooking was good? Now this is something of a trope though that we see in other other type of uh, shows and especially other kind of fantastic or or hero shows is the idea of two very different characters switching places to better understand each other's existence, right? Uh, and finding kind of the the source of what drives them. You know, when they kind of discover or, or about each other, when when Ollie says, you know, he has to he has to go into that darkness to really uh, uh, access kind of the the source of his energy, the source of his, his quote-unquote power, so to speak. And Barry talks about t- tapping into the speed force, that it is kind of this uh, euphoric experience, that it, there is a there is a joy element of that. There's a hope element of that. 
It's it's not just, oh, I have access to a superpower. There is an emotional trigger, an emotional connection that kind of, you know, makes it happen. Well, I don't know if, uh, you know, I know you're you're a, you know, big time comic book and, and aficionado from a lot of different media. Uh, do, do you recall perhaps a, 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 a cartoon series called Teen Titans? Not, not Teen Titans Go, but Teen Titans! Yeah, yeah, the original Teen Titans from the 1960s? No, I'm kidding. No, yes. no, not that. Yeah, the one before Teen Titans Go. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So the the pre-Teen Titans Go Teen Titans. Uh, right. In that ep- in that series, there was actually an episode where uh, Raven and Starfire, again, very different characters. Raven, of course, being a little bit more of the the darker, kind of pessimistic, uh, and and Starfire being kind of the upbeat and and you know goofy characters you know, switch bodies and have to get used to each other's demeanors in order to tap into their powers. I, I got a kind of a link there. I, I don't know if you may have uh, no- noticed or even saw that connection. Yeah, I do. I did, but it's, I didn't make the connection to teen Titans. It's a trope. It's a trope of a lot of things. I think even Smallville did it at one point. Uh, if not, I know others, you know, shows do. I mean, they, you put the two heroes in different bodies to kind of have them get used to their powers. And it, it's kind of just, it's it's a known trope that they do, and I think they even joked about it. You know, Quantum Leap, Freaky Friday, you know that sort well, of. If thing. we ever settle that debate, was it Quantum? Was it more Quantum Leap or was it more Freaky Friday? I kind of thought it was more Quantum Leap. <laughs> but but yeah, but the whole mirror thing, you know, when they look in yeah. the mirror, they didn't see themselves. Although none of them none of them actually looked in a mirror, so we don't know. Right. The impacts are kind of confusing though. Like even when they're hit with a fear toxin, and don't worry, we're about to talk about Arkham. Uh, but but even when they were. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they were hit with the the, the uh, fear toxin, rather than seeing their own fears, they actually saw the other person's fears. Derek, you really you really liked that scene. I hate you. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, in three hours of gaping logic holes, that was the that was the moment I had to get up and and, and walk away because I was so angry <laughs> that they had them. You don't fight somebody else's fears; you fight your own fears. Like they they had not lived each other's lives. They had their own memories. It it there was no sense made. No sense made. Narrative, the whole... narratively, Derek. The, the the narrative reasoning is they are understanding each other. Narrative. No, no, narrative does not work. And I guess I see how it is to walk a mile in your shoes when you're fighting fake fears that belong <laughs> to somebody else. There's there's no logic in that. Well, they're real I mean, fears. They're Other real than, fears, but they just belong to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're they're real fears. They're fake pers- personifications. Fear, fear toxins. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hallucinations. So, Bell, you want to fight me? I'll fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I I got I got mad. I, I went and took a blood pressure pill. <laughs> I that made me so livid because. Uh, it was there was no point to it other than and and, and and Bo, I know you say narrative, but there's no point to it other than it'd be really cool if if Oliver had to fight Eobard it, while he's in the flash suit. That was it. That was that was the only point to it. Well, to I, I think the point would be too. It's like, can you have Eobard face Barry without his speed? It would be like a six seconds, like done. Thank you. Okay, next. Well, okay. So, so this is this is my my thought of that because I, I I thought the exact same thing, though it didn't quite uh, evoke the visceral reaction that Derek had. But I mean, like, yeah, I I definitely I definitely had kind of this like that that doesn't make a lot of sense with the way they've explained things thus far. And on top of that, wouldn't it make more sense from a practical standpoint that if you have a human fighting a speedster and a speedster fighting a human, that that's how that would work? So basically, it would be. 
you know, Ollie fighting Malcolm, but he would be a speedster and Malcolm, of course, would be a, uh, an archer. And, you know, Grant fighting or um, Barry fighting Eobard, again, speedster versus, you know. But I, I think it's actually more of a, uh, you know, Bell, I, I think it's actually kind of a flip, right? Like instead of, you know, if it's not necessarily about uh, Barry depowered Barry losing quickly to a powered Eobard. I would say it's more about a powered Ollie destroying very quickly and in fact killing a depowered Malcolm. You know what I mean? Like I, I, from a practical standpoint, I, I can see how that could work. But again, fear toxin. I, I don't know. You know what they could have done? Put put uh put Harrison Wells in the Merlin costume and put Captain Jack in the Flash costume. Oh, that's interesting. Done. You know, so their faces are under the mask, so you're still fighting the same guy, but since you're supposed to be the Flash, you're fighting the reverse Flash. It's just his face is, you know, Captain Jack from Doctor Who. That, that they could have done that. They could have done that idea, I think. You know what they could have done? <laughs> not not, not done it. Just not <laughs> done that scene. Done anything else. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Aside from the fact that we got a uh, you know a revisiting Malcolm, of course, like you know, in, in all fairness, I'm not caught up with Arrow. Admittedly, I am not caught up with Arrow. But you are now. Well, <laughs> for me, for me, you know, the having not seen Malcolm in quite some time, it was kind of like, oh yeah, it's it's Malcolm Merlin, and and you know, with obviously uh, last episode with the Flash and kind of the the return of Eobard in the Harrison Wells face. Uh, the Tom Cavanaugh Eobard Thawne, you know, it's it's great to kind of see that continued through line. But again, yeah. odd that they would be fighting each other. But one way or the other, it happened. It was fine. It's fine. Yeah, I got to say, after seeing whatever Kavanaugh is doing with that other role, it was nice to see Kavanaugh actually do something <laughs> of some worth. Uh, well, you're not a fan of Sherlock? <laughs> I have not watched Flash this season. Is that is no uh, that is no secret. So. Of all the jarring things in over the three episodes, whatever was going on there was one of the most unsettling things. <laughs> Wait, so that means your last your last Harrison Wells was HR? Yes. Ah. Remember how I thought HR was uh was Savitar? Yeah. Remember how I thought Savitar was future Barry and I was right. Yeah. Um, all right. So yeah. let me, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Derek. So, so you're, you're not as caught up there, but, um, you know, Superman is kind of your, your realm. Yes. I mean, like he was a very inspirational character to you growing up. Mm hmm. And in this episode, um, I, are you about to tell me that whatever uh, Tom Cavanaugh is doing now in this iteration is your inspirational person? Because I'm going to hang up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was I was actually about to transition to to. Uh, um, oh, so, sorry, so, I, I was harping. <laughs> wasn't I? continue. <laughs> Dog with a bone, man. Dog with a bone. <laughs> So, um, I want to say this is actually, we got way more Superman, this crossover than any crossover that had come before. What He was in Earth X, wasn't he? Or am no, I misremembering no. that? No. no. So this was... They, they, they have not met, this is the first time they've ever met Superman. But now the first time he's been referenced. I mean, like, I, you know, during the Supergirl uh, Flash crossover musical... Oh no, he's been referenced plenty. Everybody knows who he is, but Oliver and Barry have not met him before meeting at, at the Smallville farm, at the Kent farm. Okay, now this this is probably a dumb question. Again, I'm not caught up on small on, on Supergirl and so but so here's my thing. Like right, so a lot of, a lot of folks that tune into Flash TV talk, they they are caught up with the Flash. They're not as caught up with some of the things as, that have been going on 
in 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 the the multiverse as it were is is sure. this the first time that we've seen Lois Lane or has she appeared on Supergirl before? This is the first it, this is the first iteration of Lois in the Arrowverse period. Interesting. Okay, so that's yeah. I I got that from just the the very like the weight they were putting on her in in yeah. the scenes that she was in. It was like I was like there's something special about the fact we're seeing Lois. I I don't know if she's been on Supergirl yet or not, but it seems like maybe not. No, I mean obviously she's been referenced before. Uh, and not referenced well in season one. In fact, she was trashed pretty hard in season one oh. by Cat Grant. Uh. Characters that which I did not care for, but because uh, Lois is my girl, she's my heart. But uh, yeah, this is our, our, our first meeting with Bitsy Tullock playing the role, and I thought just a standout performance. Yeah, uh, from, I can't agree more. Yeah, I thought she did fantastic. There were there were there was some 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 Margot Kidder feelings there. There were some Terry Hatcher feelings there. I thought she, 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 but she made it her own and I thought she did a fantastic job. Uh, even, even the dress she was wearing in the fortress of solitude, you want to talk about references mm-hmm. to classic Superman. I mean, that, that's, yeah. that's kind of throughout, right? Like, uh, you know, we got the, the classic, uh, rotating the earth to adjust time. <laughs> God. Uh-huh. Why are you yeah, baiting that, him? That's the thing that happened. <laughs> that's uh, why are we baiting him? Why? Why? No, 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 no. Hang on, because okay. Bell doesn't like this either. Bell, Bell, yeah, full, full disclosure, I, I'm not a fan of that. Of that as well. Either, but I, I just felt like we're baiting Derek. Really? <laughs> Wait, hang on. So all three of y'all didn't like that. Why? I I saw that as a nice homage, and on top of that, I mean, you know, we we are making a lot of nods to crisis. And I mean, you know, we'll, we should, we should kind of save our crisis talk. Cause that's more of yeah. in our speculation. Um, but, but overall, I mean like, you know, there, there were a lot of goofy or not, there were a lot of nods to uh, classic characters, classic media, and of course, classic Superman uh, as well as not so classic Superman, right? Like when, when uh, destiny as dark Superman or, or, non bizarre I don't know what you want to call him but when he when he had Barry by the neck did... he, he's listed in, he's listed in the script as evil superman All right evil yeah. superman Dr Destiny is evil superman he he's 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 got him in the you know in, in the zod pose yes Well why doesn't Barry just face through that Yeah that that kind of upset me too Because Kryptonians he can't face through I got bigger fish to fry let's talk about this why is Deegan <laughs> Pretending to be Superman, a man he has no knowledge of, because there's no Superman on Earth. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh Ding. man, thousand be- points. Because I it's mean, Elseworlds. It's 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 he's rewriting I reality. I know nothing of you and your cousin, but <laughs> I look pretty good in this suit. <laughs> Which he did. Come on. I mean, yeah. Cool if dude. I looked like like mullet that dude or Tyler, I'd go with Tyler too. I'm not. Saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. Did you just body <laughs> shame look, the if villain? I could look like Derek Russell, or I could look like Tyler. I'm gonna pick Tyler. <laughs> Tyler's Superman, but there's no Superman on their Earth. Earth One does not have a Superman or a Supergirl or a National City, but randomly Jimmy Olsen and Alex are there, even though he says he has no clue who Kara is, but yet her people are still implemented in the implicated in the story. That's beside the point. I'm not even going to get there. But why does Deegan <sighs> then take on the role of Superman? And more to the point. Why do we learn that Deegan is evil Superman in the opening moments of the third hour in his monologue and not left with it in the cliffhanger of hour two? Bell? Well, <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, the, the having Supergirl's accoutrement characters there is just, it's a Supergirl episode, so they got to be there, right? I yeah. that, and I, and I agree with it. They need to be there. 
Yeah. And and as to uh, him picking Superman again, it's a it's a Supergirl episode. It doesn't make sense. But I was I was maybe did he did he ever see did Deegan ever see Superman before he saw, he saw Superman and Supergirl? Actually, he never says he saw Superman. He says he saw Supergirl fight Amazo because that was then. That's that's no, that that's right. That's how they explain it. Right. That's what he says. He says, until I saw you fight Amazo, but he never says anything about Superman, even though Superman was there with him. But, but no, no, no. still. No, no, no. Hold on. He talks to Supergirl in uh, in the pipeline. Right. And, and say, this is where he says, until I saw you fight Amazo. That, that's it. Uh-huh. But he still has no idea who Cara Danvers is. No, so he's no got the book that. of, he's got the book of, you know, the Super the Bible or whatever it is. Says the book has nothing on you. Those yeah. are lines. Uh, okay. So here's how I, here's how I interpreted that though. I thought, I thought that was in, in relation to his own earth. I get the sense based on what we saw is that that book, uh, transcends earths, like transcends reality. Cause that was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the exact same book from earth 90. Yes. He says, I know everything about this earth because of this book. Right. But there is nothing in this book about you or your cousin. Uh, Well, yeah. Okay. So I, I see what you're saying and I understand. I don't think there's any way you can, uh, uh, take that differently. But hold on. No, 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 I I think so. I mean, if, if the book, all right. So, but, but like, I want to make sure I'm getting this correct. So the book, there's not one book per earth. We, there is one book for multiple earths, right? Like that book that we saw that, that he had was the same book from earth 90. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I get that. Okay. I, I totally get that. But he's only using it about his Earth because right. he literally Accurate. says. Accurate. No, you're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I mean, again, I, it, it requires some headcanon. Let me, let me go here, though, since we're already kind of in, uh, since, since Derek has already brought us into uh, kind of the, the negatory, the negative territory. Uh, I, 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 too, have some grievances. And, you know, Derek, obviously, you're a, you're a huge Smallville fan, uh, I, you know, prolific podcaster in that right of course uh man i i loved i loved that show and did you get the sense that this crossover wanted to do more with smallville but like really kind of got away with the only things they could get away with which was the house and the song because i mean they they hyped the the shnikes out of the, the the fact that like oh it's the house it's the kent farm it's it's the smallville kent farm and then people were like oh well maybe they're go-. no they're not it's like, oh, well, it's the Smallville theme. Like, oh, are we going to get some Smallville characters? Eh, not really. But, I mean, we got Hartley's back. When I told Steve, my co-host Steve at Starville's House of Hell, that they were doing this, yeah, Steve Glosson a few weeks ago, and and he said, they're doing crisis. I said, they're doing cri- diet crisis. They're doing crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, That's good. Which led yeah. off into a whole conversation about Fresca. But, I, you know, they're doing cr- <laughs> this crisis junior. I think everything they did in this was just breadcrumbs for next year because they already knew they were going to do that, which I thought was brazen as heck, considering that none of these shows have been renewed for another season yet. Wow. But I'm sure they'll renew them. There's no danger of them being canceled. It's just I think everything they did was leading up to that, even to the point of whether or not Oliver has made a deal with the devil and the monitor and has a year to live or whatever happened there that I don't really feel like we got. It was very open-ended and we didn't get an answer on. Hmm. You know, yeah. did, he, did he buy himself a year? Did he not? Did he buy Kara and Barry a year? Because I really think he should have told them if that's what he did. Uh, did he trade himself? Why did Superman, why did Supergirl and Flash need to slow the Earth down? Because Oliver still in slow time walked up and shot the book anyway, so that made no sense. Anyway, and Flash that, time. You, you've established Flash time is a thing where you slow down time. 
you established flash time as a thing, but Barry went into a whole episode last season in flash time, but all this, all they're doing, were burning their faces up. Plus, how did they know when to? How did they know when to stop? See, this is the way I always look at it. It's about logic leaps of the past. Like the biggest logic leap, honestly, that that I feel like we've ever had to make on this series is when he faced with Captain Cold and Heatwave, and the only way to stop them was to make their guns cross like cross paths. And I'm like, well, that's not the only way to stop them. You just run up to them and punch them in the face. That's a good way like, to stop really them. Really quickly. Yeah, like really, really, <laughs> really fast. Like, like you don't even need to go at Mach whatever. You could just, you just do that because you're the Flash. But because that occurred, like that's been the largest logic leap. So whenever I look at any of this stuff, I'm like, well, is it is it more dumb than that? Is like, am I having to 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 you know wrap my head beyond that? And no, no, I think I think with most of this stuff, I can do the mental gymnastics. I can headcanon my way through most of these scenarios. Would it be nicer to have more refined writing that actually explains this? Sure. Do we normally get refined writing from CW television series? To be honest, no. Uh, and when we do, it's phenomenal. I mean, I, I still go back to last episode with episode 100 and what they did with time travel and the explanations they gave and the actual way approach. If they had done that throughout the entire series, it would have elevated everything tremendously. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that came before is bad. It just makes those moments even more special. And on top of that, like I said, you know, if if it's not dumber than that, then I'm just kind of here for it and I can enjoy it. So I enjoyed it, even though it, I, even though it was, you know, like, yes, of course, I thought flash time. I'm not an idiot. And I'm sure that the writers also thought flash time, but they wanted to accomplish something. They wanted to make a nod to what had come before. And to some extent, the idea of the writer establishing what's going on, that the idea that the writer has full power over the story goes directly into the theme of what this crossover is all about, guys. Because ultimately, isn't that what's going on? Who commands the book, therefore commands reality? Don't you reality? put a bow on this, Bo. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, look, I, I just actually say thought this. Oh, sorry, Bo. Oh, yeah. If you're going to give a nod to Superman 1 and the whole, like, run around the earth kind of thing and, and, and uh, slow down time, have Barry or, or Kara mention that to Cisco and have him go, that's a terrible idea. And then <laughs> just you have know, Cisco address it. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Just have Cisco address <laughs> it. That's a terrible idea. Why don't you teach Kara how to enter flash time? And then the, the they're they're moving it so fast or whatever that it's going to cause them to disintegrate in the same way that it would them going around the earth. And plus, Mach 7. Mach seven? It's, no, it, that's 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 far too slow to to have any sort of impact yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, on. yeah. But reality's been rewritten. That's the thing. I can I can always go back to that with this this story. So it's the speed of light, Mach seven now. <laughs> well, well is it and, technically Mach fourteen when they're both doing? I don't know. It's not. <laughs> they're going opposite directions, so it would cancel each other out. So yeah, so always, it's actually so, net zero. So it's yeah, Mach so, zero. So yeah. All right, all right. So, so the science, the science. Spinning, OMG science. And then man. the atmosphere just keeps going because that's what the atmosphere does, and then it destroys everything that's not like you know. I'm just saying it didn't matter that they did that anyway because Barry still walked up and shot the book regardless of what speed they were going at. All right, all right, all right, all right. This is this is all this is all true. This is all I think true. You're all missing the point of this crossover. Though. <laughs> thank thank you. Thank day, you, Will. Thank you, Will. At the end of the day, this crossover was about one thing. Batwoman? Bat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a backdoor pilot. Let's be honest. We're going to take three episodes to do a backdoor pilot. Bah! 
Uh, I w- you know what? I would actually say, in terms of backdoor pilots, this was actually a really good way to do it, as opposed totally to what agree. came before. Uh, I, th- you know, I thought that the the crossover with they kind of launched Legends was actually a little bit too heavy on the backdoor pilot, whereas this was Amen. more of kind of seeding it in. We got an explanation of why nobody ever talks about Gotham. We got an explanation on kind of the concept of Batman. We actually got a chance to see a flash signal with a bat on it, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, and then, of course, we were introduced to. Kate Kane, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first live-action interpretation of the character. Correct. Correct. And, I mean, phenomenal. A- excellent cast. I mean, the costume, Derek, you already referenced this. I mean, straight from the straight from the pages of the comics. Pitch That's perfect. the best costume they've done on any of these four shows. Five, yeah, if you I can agree with that. Lightning. Hmm. I, I think that's the best costume they have ever done. You know, I, I think you're right. I, 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 I will say I didn't enjoy the original arrow costume but it wasn't like an a nod to the comics it was just it it made sense for the series but in this instance it actually makes sense for the series as well as literally lifts it from the pages i mean it, it's it's you know i think it's mm-hmm. fair to connect it to the star girl costume because it's that level of accuracy yeah i'll take barry seriously without that chin strap well, let's not let's not yeah. talk about uh, let's not talk about the the we we've we've got we've got thoughts on the costume. I, I think the general I, fan I just, community. I'm just asking. I, that's that was my first time seeing it in motion, and then it was in, it's an interesting choice. It's the helmet on top of it that's it's kind of off for me. Overall, it's not the best costume that Barry has ever worn. Uh, but it doesn't bother me. I would argue that I think I think the general assumption going into the season was that they knew that Stephen Amell was going to be wearing it and he has a beard. And so they were trying to beardify the costume. And my guess is going into the second half, we will likely see a return of the chin strap, if not an entire, you know, body lift facelift of, of the costume as a whole. That's my guess. I don't think so. You don't think think so? They're going to stick with it. It's too comic. It's, it's comic accurate. I think they'll, it is not. No, 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 sir. No, sir. That is not comic accurate. Uh, no, uh, uh-uh. show uh, show me one comic right? book. No, even even in previous comics, I would say that that does not look like a, a that is not. You know, we talk about the the Batwoman costume here as being lifted from the pages. Barry's current costume is not lifted from the pages. It's it makes more sense than what he's worn before. Uh, from a from a standpoint of making him more flexible and ability, you know, his ability to run fast. But I don't think that it. I, I you're you're gonna have to show me the actual comic. Like, well, show me no, the panel. Like, what, show me the panel well, where that, that's that's on the screen. I, I I'm don't. agreeing that it's not totally comic accurate in that the helmet ruins it. I think if it wasn't a helmet, I think if it was some sort of cloth like ship had, then I think it would look better. I think the helmet makes him look like the kid in the helmet. But I mean, the rest of it, from the neck down especially, I like the brighter red. I like the, you know, sure. not looking like he's wearing a leather, you know, not like he's out of the X-Men slash Matrix movies. <laughs> but <laughs> yes, the helmet is a problem. But other than that, I mean, I like it without the chin strap, to be quite honest. I always thought the chin strap was kind of a little and it might mean that he can actually if they can get rid of the helmet, he can actually pull the mask off without them cutting away because it's always jarring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. that is, you know, that is true. <laughs> That is true, but that is also but, very standard in terms of a lot of comic book. Oh yeah, interpretations on screen. Uh, but that, I mean, that, that that is not wrong. That is absolutely true. And I will say, you're right on. I mean, the color scheme, absolutely. I would actually like to see maybe a future iteration that incorporates elements of both this and what's come before. Maybe the color scheme and flexibility of this one, with a little bit more of uh, the the padding and and kind of Cisco tech that the that the previous ones had. 
Um, I, you know, I think there's there's still it, it's it's growing, it's evolving. It it to yeah, me it actually feels right. a little bit like uh, Avengers one cap costume. Like it works for the moment, but I don't think it's going to age well. I think they need a better, I think they need something that's going to be a little bit more universal. I do like the ring though. I I like the ring as well. Uh, but Batwoman. So of course, you know, this is the introduction to Kate Kane. This is also the introduction to Gotham. And this is of course the introduction to Arkham Asylum. We got that, uh, insanely jam packed fight sequence, uh, you know, this is the, this is the DLC for, for Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Knight, Arkham Universe. Uh, you know, this is, this is, this is, they're all there. You know, they're all here. They got Riddler. You got, uh, you got Nora Freeze, which was incredible. Uh, her busting out the, the Arnold gun. I mean, like, Bell. Well, it wasn't the Arnold gun. No, I think it was the Arnold gun. I do too, actually. I think it was the Arnold gun. Uh, Arnold gun was bigger than that. He had a couple of guns. You're thinking of you're thinking they of they were the... both under his shoulders. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but Bell, especially after what we saw in Caitlin's story this season, with the nod to uh, Victor being a known entity in this universe, well, now we have officially seen his wife and a freeze gun. Do you think that Mister Freeze is in fact active in this universe as such? Not a not a pre Mister Freeze, but like a an active Mister Mister Freeze. Well, that's interesting because you know uh, we didn't see his name on one of the cells, so I don't know. Maybe you could assume that he is simply because he wasn't in prison at the time and only his daughter was. So uh, his wife, it, it, his wife. Sorry, yeah. So, so let me ask you this then: Do you think that what we will see then in this universe is it's more of a twist? Do you think that instead of a Mister Freeze, we will have a Mrs. Freeze for Batwoman? Derek, what are your yes. thoughts? Um, possibly. I mean, yeah, I could see them doing that. Will have we ever seen Nora Freeze as a villain in such a capacity? No, all we've ever seen her as is furniture. <laughs> She, <laughs> Whoa! Well, no, but that's that's not wrong though. She's, she's just been, not a coat. She's not a coat rack. She's a piece of art, if anything. It, well, she's 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 uh, Han Solo in Carbonite, right? Yeah, she's she's always like floating in some sort of water and things, or or cased in ice, or yeah, that, or dancing on a music box and then being dropped or something, according to the cartoon. But like, no, I don't think we've ever seen her as anything. And I and I'm kind of down with it. I'm kind of down with the idea. I'm kind of hoping she, my headcanon was she, she got released from the ice and went, you know, bet nuts crazy. And so they had to put her in Arkham. I could see that, you know, especially with the fact that we already got a Mr. Freeze from the Gotham television series, you know, maybe doing a little bit of a twist as this universe has want to do. I mean, I I think it would make a lot of sense to actually have her as a Mrs. Freeze and a potential, uh, ongoing reoccurring villain for Batwoman in the upcoming series. Now, Derek, we also got a world's finest comment with Supergirl meeting Batwoman and kind of sharing the fact that they both have these kind of famous cousins and with, you know, kind of Kara having a little bit of future knowledge because Batman does exist in her universe. And so she does kind of have a, a sense of understanding of where she's coming from and that sort of thing. Do you think that we will see an, a, a progression of their relationship? Like, like, will we see Supergirl and Batwoman team up again in the future? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of it. I, I, I did think it was a weird moment to, to mention that Clark knew Bruce because that's not Kara's Earth um, when she was telling that to Kate. Um, 
but you know, I, whatever I, I, I get trying to make that relate that relation to her and that connection to her. It was very out of character for me that Kara would snoop Kate's secret, Batwoman's secret identity. Uh, I, I call baloney on that, that I didn't think that was in line with Supergirl at all. Um, well, it, it wasn't in line to me that Kara would, that Kate would know, figure out obviously that Kara is Supergirl. That's or Supergirl's Kara. That wasn't that weird to me, but that she would use her x-ray vision and look beneath the mask was very out of character to me. I, I felt like, especially considering the conversation that she had with Clark. Uh, at the beginning of the episode at the Smallville farm where they're talking about right. secret identities and she's right. in. Yeah. And, and he's like, these are the most important things that keep her family safe. And for her to kind of do that after that felt kind of odd in my yeah, opinion. It was, well. it was a weird choice. Interesting. All right. So, huh? Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, I mean, that definitely but makes yes, sense. I think, a... I think they'll meet up again. Definitely. I, I could can't, I could head cannon that too, in a way. Don't forget that this Kate Kane doesn't come from an earth where there is a Superman, Supergirl, Right. Right. So she wouldn't have a lead line. Like I, you know, I think I read somewhere once that Batman has a lead line. You yeah. know, at one point he had a lead line costume to stop that from happening. And so she wouldn't have that. So maybe Kara is used to kind of leaving her x-ray a little bit up. Cause she's seeing a bat around and she's like, Oh, oh shoot. Sorry. And she said the tattoo, she didn't say her face. So, you know, it's one of those things. I, that's kind of how I had it. But yeah, I, I too was kind of like, eh, it seems a little bit of a way to get there. You yeah, know, I did me. Interesting. Okay. All right. No, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, to me, it was kind of a, again, like a nod to something that's come before when we got the world's finest uh, cartoon, oh, yeah. cartoon crossover. That is specifically how Clark figured out that Bruce was Batman or the Batman was Bruce rather with Batman taking the more detective, you know, putting a tracer on Superman, which at the time I thought Superman doesn't know there's a tracer on him. I feel like he would have think figured like he would have figured that out or like, you know, been been prepared for it. But regardless, that's just kind of the way I saw it. Uh, you know, I, I think you're right, Derek. I think we would definitely see a, a connection between these two. I think, in fact, there's going to be a lot more connection between a lot of these characters. Uh, and that may come directly into the deal that was made by Oliver Queen. And that's going to bring us to this week's Arrow Assumptions. What? Arrow Assumptions? No, Speedster Speculation. I don't know what Arrow Assumptions is. That, that's it's weird, man. Else worlds. Nothing makes sense. Explain that logic, Derek. <laughs> goods can be traded for payment. <laughs> all right so anyway of course we did see oliver making a deal with the devil uh although not necessarily a devil right like you know there, there's kind of the the reference to he's a god for lack of a better term he is essentially a monitor uh and he is preparing he's he's kind of testing worlds trying to prepare them because there is something that is terrible that is coming uh presumably the anti-monitor, especially with the big tail end of the uh, of of the the series, the the crossover event, as it were. Let's first talk about the deal, um, Derek. You kind of referenced this this before, uh, as far as what could the deal be. Ultimately, uh, quick fire. What did, what did you think, Derek? What do you think the deal was that, that Oliver made? I think it he he bought a year. I think everything about this was only a precursor to Crisis on Infinite Earths, and we'll, we'll see what 
becomes to that. The monitor's intentions were, were weird to me because the monitor was destroying worlds to find a world strong enough to defeat the anti-monitor from destroying Potentially. worlds. Potentially. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't... Obviously, Oliver did something, but there was no tease to that. When the phone rang at the bar, I was like, is this the monitor calling him? Like, what is this? <laughs> you you up you know i didn't know what was quite what was going on there so there was no the the breadcrumbs we were given were obviously to um the psycho pirate what's his name roger hayden yeah hayden uh were were to him being an arkham alongside deegan who now is in his Mm. true form is destiny you know freddy krueger blue looking and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, we we get the the, the crisis logo. So I, I, Oliver, the intentions were very weird. I I, I told it to somebody last night. Was, I felt like I was watching the hour three was the most convoluted to me because I felt like I was watching a foreign film without the subtitles. Like I <laughs> I, I knew I recognized these characters and this imagery, and I knew I was supposed to kind of know what was going on, but at the same time I wasn't really keeping up with the plot. Because it kept changing every few minutes, um, so I, you know, and then Oliver shows up with the arrow, and you think, well, he's going to sacrifice himself, but then they they live. And then I also thought it was very weird that the most important emotional beats uh, from hours one and two were them with their spouses, uh, Oliver with with Iris and Barry with Felicity, you know, flip flop, and then they didn't even end with the reconciliation oh yeah no that's a good point yeah Yeah. i I thought that was super weird because that was like the most important thing they focused on in hours one and two were these these relationships and trust and all this stuff between uh the husbands and the wives and then they didn't even go back to the well on that so uh the whole thing kind of got warped for me uh it felt like the end of revenge of the sith when they were like, holy crap, we got to wrap this up. In <laughs> <laughs> All right, light them on fire, build the Death Star. Let's yeah, go. Right, Yoda, yeah. Yoda, get off planet. And, and you take that twin and I'll take that. Okay, credits. Whew, we made it. Like, I, it was, it was kind of, it was, it, it, everything was happening and then it stopped happening. Yeah, that, so there was I, a lot. I, there was a lot. That I, it was happen. a lot. It was a lot to fill in. Not having legends in a way, uh, I applauded them not a, I think we said off air, my favorite part of this entire crossover was the line in Legends of Hard Pass. Not picking up that phone call. You have missed <laughs> Has it been, didn't Ray say, has it been, has it been a year already? Has it been, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's over time or whatever. Um, the, the fourth yeah, it sounds like the yearly out. crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Chef's kiss, the, the fourth wall breaking on Legends. But yeah. So I, I, I assume whatever deal Oliver made will come home to roost, obviously, in Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I can guarantee he won't tell Felicity. Well, that uh-huh. seems to be a, a theme. Yeah, for me, my my guess is it's very specifically he traded his life for Barry. I didn't think it was about uh, the the passage of time, but but that actually makes a lot of sense. Bell, what do you think the uh, the the deal that he made was? Well, see, that's the thing, though, is because it, it couldn't have been just him trading his life for Barry because it was Barry and Kara. That's right. Uh, who were risking that? And so I don't think the monitor would have been like, "Yeah, I'll trade you for these two hopeful people." Because uh, it doesn't seem like that it would be enough payment for him. So I kind of feel like it was, you know, because his whole monologue there to monitor was these people uh, inspire hope and they can inspire us to be better or whatever, be best. Uh, <laughs> and so I think what it was is like, hey, look, spare their lives. Give us some time to prepare for this and we can we can save it. Uh, we can save the universe. We can save the multiverse. Uh, that's that's kind of what it feels like to me. Well, uh, maybe not- say that. 
because yeah. if you if if he bought Kara and and Barry a year, not telling them is a dick move. Which yeah, I and, get Oliver. I I get it. the subtitle of Arrow is called you know a dick move. Dial it back, Derek. Dial it back, Derek. Dial it back. Dial it back. You have failed this. Yo, you failed the show, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm doing it. No, I'm doing it. Now I'm baiting him. <laughs> well, uh, so so do you do you concur? I mean, do you think this was a uh, a buying of time? Yes, partially. Well, yes and no. I think they're going to do a switch, guys. Don't forget what is the name of next year's crossover? Crisis on Infinite Earths. Who died in Crisis on Infinite Earths? Supergirl there and the Flash. They, I mean, they're they're going to play with that. But my they prediction are, will be that. You, you're going to think it's going to be them, but yeah. then Oliver's going to die, and that's the way Arrow ends. Yes, that's what I would have to agree with that assessment. So, so let, let's talk about the thing that most people really wanted us to talk about the entire time, and now we only have a few minutes to really talk about, and that is, of course, Crisis on Infinite Earth. So, uh, Will, set people's minds right who are not familiar with Psycho Pirate, and 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 explain the 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 significance of having this character show up right now as Crisis on Infinite Earths is teased. Okay. Psycho Pirate Roger Hayden was a Earth 2 Justice Society villain. Um, he was recruited by the Monitor, who was a lot more altruistic in 1985. Um, and he was only one of one. He wasn't one of many, which we can go off on that tangent. But he was his uh, powers basically is he wears that Medusa mask over his face because if he puts an emotion on his face and looks at you, you have that emotion. You have fear. You have joy. You have um other adult stirrings, whatever he, he, so he pulls that mask off, looks at you, boom, you're there. So the thing about him was because he ended up working with the anti-monitor during crisis. Uh, I think he was recruited uh, book four and through the rest of the show or through the rest of the comic run, he worked with the anti-monitor and then spoiler alert. If you haven't read the book 34 years later, not my fault. Um, Spoiler alert, they took, and this is what I think they're going to do. They took all those Earths and merged them, quote unquote, into one. And Roger Hayden was the only one who remembered at that point that there were other Earths. So his kind of thing is, is that he kind of remembers different timelines, different things. It's They were never really said if it was his powers or the fact that he stood at the dawn of time during book 11. Um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, guys, was my first like major DC comic. That's why I can recall it with vivid clarity. The whole thing. Um, he's, but he was also instrumental in identity or Infinite Crisis that they did twenty years later. But he, his significance is the minute I saw the Medusa mask, I'm like, they're setting up Crisis. I'm like, that's that's all there is to it. This isn't going to be Crisis. It's just they're setting it up, and I was glad to be right. And then they're talking in the the asylum, and that's how Crisis Twelve ended. He was in a straitjacket saying almost that exact line that I remember other Earths. I remember things how and this is how it's not supposed to be or whatever the hell he said. It was pretty much almost verbatim. So I'm, I'm jonesed. I'm jazzed. I, I want to see them do more. I, I hope next year that they take three weeks on each show and build to it like Crisis did because it was a 12 issue series build to it in flash i want to see red skies the same with arrow and fighting weird stuff going what the hell is going on so that when they actually get to the crossover and i think it should be six not three parts like every you know it's not you're not trying to cram so much into it and i want to see them bring everybody back you back the brinks truck i don't know if brinks is just 
upstate New York or not, but back, back the armored truck up to Tom Welling. He ain't doing anything else. You need him. You know, back up a truck to Burt Ward if you have to. Have him try to squeeze into Robin's costume. I don't care. Bring anyone who's ever done a DC show so you can kill them. <laughs> you know, and just so yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, right, so so just to kind of yeah. back up here. So for everybody that just went cross-eyed listening to that, and sorry about that. Did that not, was a long rant. Didn't understand the convoluted nature of everything. Suffice to say, Crisis was a point in time in the comics when the creators had all these different companies, all these different stories out there with not a whole lot of connection, a lot, of, and and they wanted to kind of merge them into one story. They wanted to bring uh, all of these different superheroes together in one shared universe. And in many respects, we have entered into a time where there are so many different DC TV properties that when they were created, much like the early days of comics, they were kind of created to be their own story. They weren't really created to interweave and, and, and kind of cross over. Um, not to the extent, for example, that, that Arrow and Flash do. So this idea that they are not just now introducing this storyline of, of worlds coming together and stories merging makes a ton of sense to me. Because right. I think what we're going to see next year is the closeout. I think we're going to see the closeout of Arrow. Uh, I think that, that that story is is probably should have closed out a couple of years ago, if, if I'm being totally honest. But regardless, I think we are going to see the, the end of Oliver Queen and that series and the beginning of a shared universe where Black Lightning, where uh, uh, Barry Allen, where Supergirl, Supergirl they're all going to be on the same earth where we're going to have a Batman and Superman. They're, these these characters, which meld together, they've got such great chemistry. They're, there's so much that actually works together. And it's just going to be, they're going to have to really walk this line to tell that story in such a way that makes sense to the average viewer, uh, which is going to be difficult. Because again, that Will, everything you just said, I would say that probably 60% of our audience did not <laughs> follow know. you at all on that. <laughs> Sorry about that. You could edit it in post. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to leave it in because it proves yeah. it, it, it's to, to the point that I'm, I'm making here, which is which is specifically that. It is a complicated story, but the end game is to create a world where Supergirl, the Supergirl that we know and love, shares the same Earth and doesn't have to go through a portal in order to see Barry Allen. And the crossover potential is stronger and the simplicity of stories makes more sense in the long run when you do something like that. But I do mm -hmm. think worlds will die. I think we will see an end of, uh, you know, we might see a, a crossover with the Gotham series, but that, that, sh that show may also come to an end. Uh, we, it is. It's, it's that final show season. is ending. Well, yeah. but, but that's what I'm saying. So like that, I don't necessarily, uh, let me be more specific. Not yeah. that show, that, that, that story, that universe. Cause we do see stories continue on beyond television series. Even Smallville got a quote unquote season 11 in comic book form. And so, you know, I do think we will see kind of the closeout of other, uh, other shows and series, but they can also have fun with it. Bring in, uh, characters and actors and, and people that we haven't seen in years bring make some ties to the Adam West Batman you know make some ties perhaps to Lois and Clark but I think the biggest thing they need to do if they're going to make Crisis on Infinite Earth successful on television where there's is this kind of massive crossover with all of these different characters and all these different shows if you don't have Tom Welling maybe Michael Rosenbaum but if you don't have Tom Welling I, I say right here and now that you fail you fail Crisis on Infinite Earth I agree you know, I've said for years that I, I felt like what the DC film should have done to set themselves apart from the Marvel films is to get away from this origin story mess, which we've seen time and time again, and actually do this on screen theatrically. And that's the best thing they could have done to self-service themselves is mm -hmm. to have Keaton on screen mm -hmm. with Affleck, to have mm -hmm. Ralph on screen with Cavill, to do 
to build toward this. Now, obviously, we're not going to get that now that we're doing it on TV. And it's going to be a much smaller budget. And, yeah, you know, and if people you are dead, eaten, go for it. People are dead and we'll in see, prison. I don't think we'll see. <laughs> I don't think we'll see Keaton. Uh, I think I think we would be remiss if we did not put Brandon Routh back in the suit when he's right there. Um, I agree. Put Helen Slater in the suit. You know, the, you know, there's yep. there's obviously a lot of things you could play around and do with this. And I, I think it needs to be done. I agree with everything you just said, Will, that it if you're going to do this, do it right. I feel that they should not be episodes of these respective shows. I feel like if you're going to do Christ on Infinite Earths, you need to do a four or five night miniseries that is not the Flash episode nine, Super Arrows episode eight. Good point. You don't yeah. need to shoehorn in all these other people. It's just going to get way too convoluted. That's the reason we had so many uh, just non sequitur things going on with this crossover is because they felt the need to put people in there that just really had no business being in there. That's why we, the only time we saw Martian Manhunter, he was he was fighting, he was protecting <laughs> people with fu- from fire, from fire. So one thing. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually noticed that too. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Shouldn't Martian Manhunter be like terrified right now? The one thing, Oreos and fires. All these things. Anyway, Derek, sorry, Derek, that, didn't didn't your boy lift an entire planet worth of kryptonite? Like, didn't Superman like lift up in one of your favorite movies an entire island of kryptonite and fly it out? Wait, 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 wait. Back that up. That's a favorite movie uh, of of Derek Russell. Yeah, D- Derek. He doesn't throw a punch. Not Derek his Russell. Kill somebody. Derek Russell worked for a year. With Brian Singer on a pitch for the, the sequel that never came to fruition. Yes, that is my favorite Superman movie. It is very personal to me. It is an art house film. There is no <laughs> there is no perfect Superman film. Your nostalgia makes you remember the Donner films differently than the oh, actual. No. Oh no, 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 no! Good, but they're not perfect. Right, I and agree. Neither is Superman Returns, and neither is Man of Steel, and neither is Batman Begins. They're all yeah. up to debate. To how you feel about him, and I feel very personal about Superman Returns, and I love that film personally, and I will defend it till the day I die. And I think that right there, thank you, Derek. I think that rant is exactly the place to end this uh, discussion because, much like your feelings towards that film, it's kind of how I feel about this crossover, and certainly uh, loved so many moments of it. You know, th- was it perfect? No, but I loved it. I really, really did. I had a lot of fun with it. Like we got a chance to see our characters pushed in new directions, and the door is wide open for some pretty massive storytelling that we will be speculating on for the next year. It's a bold move when a lot of these series haven't yet been picked up to say that this is happening. But I think one way or the other, come hell or high water, man, we will see a crisis on infinite earth. Let's say we get in a scenario where they're all canceled. We'll see it in a comic book form or or the CW seed or animated or some something, but one way or the other, uh, the seeds have been laid and it is a fun, very fun time with very open doors. The the universe, the multiverse has been ripped wide open for potential stories that I'm really excited to see how they all pan out. I just wonder, can you kill Arrow in the fall? Uh, can I personally? Yeah, sure. Yes. But I mean, you know, no, no, no. no. I mean, like, you know, if, if, the thing yeah. is, if uh, yeah, I think I think definitely I think it if if I was. Uh, if I ruled the world, then yes, I would. In fact, I would structure the the next the final season of Arrow to be more about legacy. That's what it's been about for the last several seasons, anyway, which is about you. him kind of establishing a team. So I think you know, um, you know, I think they they should have been laying the groundwork stronger for a direct Arrow lineage than yes. what they've done in the past. So utilize that last season to do it, so that the idea is that Oliver Queen can die, but the Green Arrow can live on. 
And uh, and I think I think a lot of these series, honestly, in these superhero series, should do that. I think the Flash missed some opportunities with Wally and being able to do something of that nature. So I think, yeah, I think it's it is absolutely possible possible uh, whether or not it's plausible is another conversation. But but I think it is absolutely possible to kill Oliver Queen. Uh, okay. But but one way or the other, you know, the the, the reality is though, there's going to be a lot of discussions like that in the coming year. And next week, we want to have the discussion with you, dear listener, as we uh, will not be returning for a, uh, you know, a, a new episode of The Flash, but we have our annual Grandma Esther's eggnog-induced Christmas call-in extravaganza. Woo-hoo! Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Flash TV Talk, uh, Facebook.com slash Flash TV Talk. Yes, Flash TV Talk. I don't know what happened with the multiverse, but we are, in fact, Flash TV Talk and will be next week. You will be able to join us. You'll be able to call in on Skype. We'll have all the information on the live channel as to how to call in at that time. Uh, but but I will tell you, you you will need a Skype handle. You will need a Skype account in order to do it. So have that at the ready. Have your eggnog at the ready. And we are just going to talk about whatever you want to talk about, which I have a feeling is going to be a lot of crisis talk, a lot of crossover talk, a lot of Eobard talk. It's going to be a lot of fun. We cannot wait to have that conversation with you. But I think I speak uh, very well for Bella and I when I say we were very happy to have the conversation this week with you guys. Uh, Will, why don't you tell the good folks where they can keep up with you? Well, you can listen to the podcast I do with the the best host of this show, Bell, uh, Legends TV Talk. You can shoot, yeah, and then you can find me on Twitter at WR Benson. And then uh, Derek Russell, you are a, a man who is in demand this week with the uh, the massive crossover. Where where the good where can the good folks hear more of your commentary, uh, both positive and negative, from this crossover <laughs> event? We did I did Super Supergirl TV Talk with uh, with Frank and Tim before joining uh, you fine gentlemen here on Flash TV Talk, covering uh, the crossover. We'll also be covering it on uh, Starville's House of L OG, uh, the Smallville feed at smallvillepodcast.com where Steve Glosson and I'll be discussing all three episodes individually, three episode, one episode each for each, uh, crossover, uh, episode doing, th- recording those tonight. I've done six podcasts today, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. And, <laughs> uh, regularly though, you can hear me do Starville's House of L Krypton for the sci-fi series Krypton and, uh, with Brian Austin Green, a show I do with a gentleman called Brian Austin Green. Excellent. Well, good stuff. Well, guys, thank y'all so much for crossing over with us this week. Uh, for those listening, be sure to keep up with us throughout the week. You can follow us on the Twitters at Flash TV Talk, or you can follow me at The Real Bo York or Bell at Ring That Bell. But if 280 characters isn't enough to express your love for our show, feel free to email us at flash at podesteri.com. That's P O D A S T E R Y.com. And also tune in for the live shows when everything works. During the live recording, by the way, just to kind of pull the curtain back to, to steal that from somebody. Uh, what happened was, uh, yeah, the, the internet crashed on us as we were doing the live feed. But normally, you're able to tune in live at facebook.com slash flash TV talk, which is also where you'll be able to tune in next week live for Grandma Esther's eggnog-induced Christmas call-in extravaganza. Again, that is facebook.com slash flash TV talk. And always special thanks to Charlie Bach, who provides us the music for our show. Uh, you can check out the rest of his awesome stuff at soundcloud.com slash Charlie Bach. Don't forget to support the show at patreon.com slash TV talk. Until next week, guys, we'll be back in a flash. They have used strong language. They've come after us. I can't have that. They've accused us of being honorless, among other things. Death before dishonor. That's the way I see it. They have dishonored us. We have to kill them. Kill them. Kill them. Kill them. Kill them.
way past it. We're talking about war.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.